When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ginger Duggar Vuolo grew up on TV. From the age of 10 until 27, she appeared on her family's hit TLC reality shows, 19 Kids and Counting and Counting On. She's an author, and we're gonna talk with her today about a recent book that she wrote. She now lives in Los Angeles with her husband, Jeremy, and their two daughters, and Jeremy's gonna join us in just a minute. Ginger, thanks so much for coming on Takeaways. Thank you so much for having me, Kirk. So much has gone on uh, in your life, and I've been reading about this in your book, mm-hmm. and I wanna talk to you all about it because it's absolutely fascinating. Love your family, by the way. You gotta tell your parents that uh, we said hello. Uh, sure. We don't have 19, but we've got six, so yes. we're, get, we're getting there, <laughs> we're getting there. But your book is called Becoming Free Indeed. Mm-hmm my story of disentangling faith from fear. Now, because of your show, people knew that that you were part of a very large, uh, very conservative Christian Mm -hmm. family. And there were questions that all of us had when we would watch the show, like, like, they do things differently, Hmm. you know? Not only do they have a lot of kids, but they dress a certain way, or they don't do certain Mm -hmm. things, or they do do certain things. Um, Did did, people, Did you find that people were highly interested in what sort of principles guided you or why you did the things so differently than everybody else? Yeah, it's interesting because I think that there was there was a certain level of curiosity, like, oh, this is crazy. These people have 19 kids. You're on TV. um, You're homeschooled. You don't go certain places. You don't listen to music with drums. You wear only skirts. So some of those things were the main draw of the show in the early days. And I think that's what um, we were known for um, many of those years. And also just people who love Jesus. I think at the heart of it, like a lot of us just love Jesus. And um, that was something that I think did shine through. Um, But undergirding it was uh, a lot of other things that people wouldn't have seen on camera. Right. The reasons, the why behind that right. um, is what I talk more about in my book. Yeah, that, that, that's right. And you talked in your book about some guiding principles that were good principles, mm-hmm. scriptural principles, uh, about modesty, about authority, mm-hmm. about responsibility. Mm-hmm. Can, can you give some examples of um, what some of those guiding principles in your family's life was? Yeah, so it's interesting because we did have good, um, my parents always told us about Jesus and that salvation is um, a free gift of God. It's a beautiful thing to have that foundation for life. And sadly, we were we had this other teaching coming in from the side that was kind of confusing. So we would have like good character that you could learn from this program. And then at the same time, the further in you got, you realized, hmm, this is not all based in the Bible. So you would have elements mm. of truth mixed with error. And um, on authority, we all are under authority of God, but there was a there was a twisted authority of what this teacher um, would say was authority, that you have to be under certain umbrellas to be protected from, from harm. And so if you move outside the home before you're married as a woman, then you're directly open to Satan's attacks. Um, You can't work Mm. outside the home or you're gonna be attacked by Satan. So some of those fears that really gripped me as a young person, it was interesting. I look back and I was examining those teachings according to the Bible and I was like, okay, there are imbalances and I see it as harmful teaching if you go as far as to say 
that that's the teaching of God. Yeah. Yeah. Now I have kids and some of my kids are of uh, dating age. They're out there uh, mm -hmm. looking for who their future spouse might be. Mm -hmm. uh, how did some of these principles affect uh, the way that you were able to um, court, the way that yeah. you would date and, and your understanding of what it meant to be modest? Yeah. It's interesting because I had a perspective of what God, I thought God had prescribed for all Christians was courtship, where you have to always have a chaperone with you at all times. Um, you need to not hold hands until you're engaged, never kiss until you're married. These things I thought were um, based in the Bible and also modesty. Like I thought that if you um, wore sleeveless shirts, that would be terribly sinful. Or if you wore pants, you're definitely um, sinning against God. And some of those things, I think were so foundational in my life. I thought that's what I want mm. for my kids. That's where I want my husband to agree with this one day. And once I started unraveling that, seeing, oh man, this isn't based in the Bible, those outward standards, I would say, started to fall off and I wanted to glorify God. I still had a heart that wanted to love mm. Jesus and do what the Bible said, but what does the Bible actually say? Is it silent on these matters? I wanna be silent on these matters. If it speaks to, you know, it speaks to modesty, but what is that? Is that women avoiding pants and um, these certain outward things? Mm -hmm. Or is modesty gonna be an issue of the heart? I wanna glorify God, I wanna dress yeah. in a modest way. So I started to re-examine a lot of that. Wow. I bet there's so many people listening right now that can say, I know just what you're talking about. I have these same questions. Mm -hmm. And in the book, you talk about uh, there being one word or one emotion, if you had to pick, that would describe how you felt growing up. Mm -hmm. It was the emotion of fear. fear. What, what, what did that look like for you? Yeah, it's interesting. There was a lot of uncertainty in my heart because of, I think, the fear-based teachings of this teacher that I had followed. It, it was very, it was left up to me. It was based on fear, manipulation, superstition, and control. And so with those things in place, I would view God as always out to get me for something maybe I didn't even know I was doing wrong, something that wasn't in the word of God, but maybe this teacher said I should be doing or not doing. Mm. Um, places like, should I go play a sport with my siblings? Maybe not, because maybe I'm gonna get killed in a car accident if I think God wants me to stay home and read my Bible for two hours straight, you know? And I'm like, mm. it's left up to my feelings that day what should I do, what should I not do based on how I feel instead of on the solid truth of God's word. Wow. And I think for many people, uh, it's unthinkable that you could get caught up into a system like this, especially when you do love God. And right. you, you don't, nobody who really is following the Lord wants to sin against God. Right. And at the same time, we don't wanna fall into this uh, easy believism, mushy pit of, of grace that just right. says, let's go loose on sin and do whatever we want. Yeah. Uh, so was this, um, and often these teachers who can add to the word of God or maybe twist the word of God mm -hmm. and we can come under that spell, don't look like wolves with sharp teeth. Yes. They look like, people who themselves are trying to follow after God. That's exactly right. And I think I think you said it there because it's it's interesting. So many people would get wrapped up in it. I think my family was involved in it before I was even born. But these teachers, I think on the outside, it seems so good and so wholesome. And there's a promise guarantee for success for your families to turn out perfect, for your kids to mm. all grow up to love Jesus, for them to be spared from um, a lot of harm. And so, it, it, on the outside, it all seems good, but the further in you get, you realize it doesn't add up. 
and it, it also removes the need for the Holy Spirit to mm. guide different Christians in different ways because it leaves new room for no Christian liberty, no leading of the Holy Spirit. As you're reading the Word of God, you're all, you all have to be cookie cutters. You all have to look exactly the same, talk the same, um, do the exact same things. Like I'm not gonna send my kids to even Christian schools. I'm gonna homeschool them all. That's the only thing that's prescribed in scripture. Although I'm not, I was homeschooled. And I think you, you know, homeschooled your kids. I think that's not a bad thing. But at the same time, where scripture would speak to something, I think it's important for us to speak to it, but then be silent where it is silent. That's something that I think was missing in this setting. And so um, where did this leave you in terms of your relationship with God? If you were feeling afraid because you didn't want to be punished or you wanted to be successful as a family, uh, your, your own future family, mm-hmm. um, what, who was God to you during those days? I looked at God as um, almost like a taskmaster. I think once I was saved at the age of 14, my affections changed. I wanted to please God, as you just said. You don't wanna throw off everything and say, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna live my life however I want and God will forgive me. That's not the answer. And I think I was so scared because I had I'd been gripped with fear thinking, I've got to figure out what God wants from me. So I would follow more of these man-made rules. Mm. Um, and at one point I remember this teacher said to a woman, before you come to God, you need to clean up your life because you can't bring Jesus into this mess. So this teacher telling me that, I was like, that's crazy. I would believe bits and pieces of it, but I leaned heavy into it as soon as I was saved because I thought these principles are gonna guarantee me favor with God. But that only gripped me with more of a burden on myself being introspective as a Christian, even looking at it. I was Mm. introspective because I was like, God, what do you want from me? I'm just not doing enough. And then I started to lean on my feelings and emotions instead of trusting in the word of God that um, even not even knowing a relationship with God, what it's supposed to be like in this um, as God as heavenly father who loves me and cares for me. Because you read the Bible so much, you would think that you would have picked up on these uh, discrepancies mm-hmm. between what God's word said mm-hmm. and what you were being taught or told to do. So yeah. how, how did the disconnect exist when you were reading the Bible for hours and hours yeah. a day? It was interesting. I, I would read it through the lens of this teacher. So I would say, okay, he pulled a ton of verses out of context and he would twist it to make it say whatever he wanted. So whether that was modesty, like don't wear that which pertains to a man, I would think that that always meant that women should only wear skirts and that's how you're gonna please God. And so I would look at everything through his lens and it wasn't until I stopped to examine it according to the Bible and get that out of my mind that maybe this man isn't, like I I thought maybe he was a prophet sent from God for so many years. Mm. Like his words were almost the words of God to me. So if that's the case, I'm not going to question it Um, And so I think the Lord in his kindness did lead me out of that, but it took many years um, of just reading the Bible and once I started to examine those things. Now we're joined by her husband, Jeremy Vuolo. Jeremy, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Kirk, glad to be here. We were just talking about your perspective shift when Jessa began to court. Now, what was the time span between when you began shifting your perspective Mm -hmm. and you met Jeremy? really wasn't too long. So Ben and Jess had been married for a short bit and my my perspectives were shifting some at that point. And then Jeremy came on the scene. He was friends with my brother-in-law, Ben. He came on the scene and was 
interested in me several months into like knowing Ben. Mm -hmm. um, and it was at that time that my dad told him, hey, before you can move forward, I need you to listen to 60 plus hours of teaching um, before you can move forward in your relationship with Ginger. And so that was the real shift for me was whenever we started going through these seminars and I was listening to them with an open Bible. Um, and Jeremy would just say on occasion like, oh, let's pause this. Let's talk about what he just said. What do you think about what he just said? And comparing it to the Bible, is it, does it line up? Is this Bible teaching? And that was really um, the point where I, I felt like this light bulb aha moment, the Lord opened my eyes to see that these teachings were not based in the Bible. And it was really freeing for me because I started to see more of the character and nature of God and the Lord used Jeremy in, in that. Um, I just saw his commitment and love for Jesus, but it wasn't based on like all these rules and standards. Yeah. That, that's so great, and Jeremy, well done. I mean, you're just being a good Berean, right? You're, you're just saying, wait a minute, let's check these things and see if it really lines up with the Bible like Paul told us to do. So what, what was your perspective on meeting Ginger? How did, how did all this come together for you? Yeah, I, I got to know Ginger and very quickly saw her heart for the Lord. That, I mean, here is this incredible woman who is beautiful inside and out, loved Christ, was committed to his word. So as I got to know her, um, and then started listening to the teachings that had sort of framed her worldview. It helped me understand uh, how she saw the world, how she viewed the Bible. And so when we started listening to those things together, I mean, I didn't have a plan. I wasn't sitting here saying, let me work through this and show her this or that. We were just listening together, would, like she said, pause it and go into these long discussions with our Bibles opened. And I just saw really what you're seeing today and, and when you pick up the book, what you see, is a genuine humility, uh, a passion for the glory of God, but also a love for others. And I just fell in love with that. Mm. And so what, what was it like when, when you began to see these differences? What, what are some of the things that you noticed from, um, I guess, the family traditions or the, the principles that were coming from some teachers and the Word of God? I think the biggest thing I noticed was how this teacher handled the Bible. It was almost like a buffet where you could just pick out a verse here or there, mm. and then use it for his, his teaching. And so I think a lot of our conversations was me saying, whoa, 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 did you hear what he just said? Now let's read that chapter, or let's read that mm. book, mm. or let's zoom out and understand how that's being misused. Mm. Um, and Ginger, I think, uh, shares some of those examples in the book, but I just started to realize, hold on a second, this guy has some interesting ideas, but he's yeah. not exactly a Bible teacher because he's not teaching you what the Word of God says, he's using the Bible mm. to promote what he says. Mm. That's such an important difference. And were you ever hesitant to share some of your concerns about this stuff? Particularly when you knew she came from a family who really loves the Lord, and they're such a big family, and they were yeah. so ingrained. Well, what's interesting is, you know, I never talked to her about certain like standards they had about music or clothes mm -hmm. or kids. Um, I, she, she kind of, addressed all those on her own as she was reading the word. All I wanted to do was lead her in the Bible and say, hey, if her and I are living life together and we're committed to following God's word, then we're gonna do great. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really have a specific timeline or issues I addressed with her. It was more honestly of just going through the Bible together. Mm -hmm. um, and she started to see, and, and she would often say to me, wait a second, I've always thought this way, but it actually never says that. And I would say, well, yeah, it doesn't. 
but she was the one who was really being moved in her own heart. Ginger, in your book, uh, you use the word disentangling mm-hmm. or disentanglement. Um, some people are familiar with the word deconstruction. Right. People have, have deconstructed their faith and they end up walking away mm-hmm. from Jesus. But yeah. you're looking to disentangle true faith mm-hmm from what you had been taught. Can you give some examples of um, how you disentangled one particular issue and what that looked like? Yeah, it is interesting because it's so sad to see so many now, I think, feel like who have been harmed within the church or harmed by a teacher who claims to speak for God but doesn't. And they end up in a place where they say, all I have to do to like work through this is to deconstruct, tear my faith down to the studs, never to rebuild it again. And my journey has not been that. It has been one of disentangling. If you get putty stuck in your hair, you can rip out the putty, buzz your head, get rid of your hair, or you can just take the time to pick out the putty. It's a slow process, it's a painful process. Mm. It's really hard, but it's so worth it. And I feel it's very, it is necessary And so that has been my journey. And so whenever it comes to disentangling, like authority has been one of those things that in my mind, I almost viewed um, these umbrellas of authority as something that was almost like a priest, like a mediator between me and God. So what does authority look like for you now? What's, Mm -hmm. now that you've disentangled some of that stuff, what does authority look like? Mm I think that there's, it's it's interesting because I think as young people, it's like we have this authority that's given to us by God, whether that's, we're supposed to be, um, obey the government, as long as they don't go beyond the word of God, we're supposed to pay our taxes and do those things that God says. But at the same time, you see like within families, I think that um, in the system of like, even if they're married, unmarried girls at the age of 30, 40, you have to live at home. So it really is a sad perspective. And when you see it's not based in the Bible, you can be using those years to glorify God. Yeah. You can be serving the church. You can be serving those around you. And there is there are missing components of that. So now my life is the authority that I have is my authority is the word of God. I'm, I want to base my life upon the Bible. Mm. And I love Jesus, so I want to do what his word says. But my authorities are not going to be um, in that same line that I thought they were back in the day. Yeah. And, and it must have been challenging, I, I, I would think, because parental authority had been such an important principle in your life that you may be stepping outside of what maybe what your parents or your family or your community would have told you was the right mm-hmm. thing to do. Um, what gave you the courage to keep walking down that road, knowing that maybe not everybody in my world is going to agree with me? Mm. It's, it definitely was something that was tough. And I think it is tough whenever you speak out on something, um, especially coming out of a community that's so tight knit. Yeah. But with all of it, I wanted to do, to do it in a way, hopefully that would be winsome because I remember when I was in that setting and what I thought about people outside of it. Um, and so the tone and all of that, I wanted to be, be helpful. But at the same time, I knew it was necessary because I had promoted these principles for so many years and now I see them as harmful. I saw many of my friends who have walked away from the faith because they were so confused about their view of who God is. Mm. They couldn't see him as loving heavenly father because they thought that they were trying to do all of these things to gain his favor. So um, I felt it necessary to share this regardless of the outcome. What are, uh, what's one of the things that you thought you would lose by going in this direction but thankfully found out that you didn't lose it. 
Yeah, I think just I was very careful in in those years. I was thinking through how could I share this story in a way that would be helpful. And I was afraid that a lot of my friends would be very like against this, um, that I grew up in the same system with me um, or my loved ones. And I've been grateful, though there has been, there have been, there's been some of that, the overwhelming side of people saying, oh, I, I identify with this. I was walking through these same things and mm. I haven't been able to express it or to figure out like I've been on this disentanglement journey as well and I see people deconstructing and that's not me, but I can identify with this journey that you've been on. And that has really encouraged my heart because in spite of all that I've walked through to be at this place that where God's brought me, it's been worth it. Even the difficulties have been worth it. And, and let's be clear, you're not saying that you think that concepts like parental authority or modesty or obedience should be thrown out the window. You're just disentangling what the real meaning of those things are from the harmful meanings. There's, there's that balance of walking and sharing these truths, even with our kids, because the scriptures are very clear when it speaks to certain topics of like what it means to um, glorify God, we are going to share that with our kids. But when it comes down to maybe our opinions on something or like this yeah. is what we're gonna do at our house, then we wanna make a distinction there for our kids to be able to see, okay, this is what mom and dad want from you yeah. to do today. And this is what God's word says. So there's a, there's a healthy balance and distinction, mm -hmm. I think for even our kids that we wanna like hopefully share with them because there, there are elements of like, you're in our house, you're gonna do this. Um, yeah. And then other things that are not necessarily sinful um, that I think making those distinctions will hopefully be helpful for their little hearts even moving forward. So when you began to disentangle all of these things, how did that impact your fear and your exhaustion? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's amazing because I felt like I was, you know, on a treadmill for so many years, running, 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 and sometimes you'd fall down, you try to get back up. But it's it's interesting because I've come to know the loveliness of Christ, the beauty of the gospel made new, because when I do sin, as we all will sin, um, even as Christians, then I lean in more to the grace of God, knowing that um, because of Christ, I'm not viewed as in my sin and I can come and there's forgiveness mm. and mercy and I can know God as a loving heavenly father now. And I'm not trying to like work my way to God, even though I never would have said that, it almost played out that way. Trying to like do all this stuff to like feel right, to, to make myself um, pleasing to God. But now I know that because of Christ, that's where um, that righteousness will be seen, his righteousness is mine now in Christ. Well, your book is gonna be so helpful to people. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, what, what would you say to somebody who might be watching us right now and they're in that kind of a world and they're just resonating with what you're saying right now? What advice would you give mm -hmm. them? Yeah, I would say my heart really has been from the start just that anyone who either has just been in that setting, if you're just trying to work your way to God through doing all of these good works that that's never gonna gain you um, favor with God. Only um, by turning from your sin and putting your trust in Jesus will you be saved. And at the end of the day, somebody who has been in this system too, who's just working, working so hard to like keep a right relationship with God or try to do all of these outward things to be right with God. Even if you're a Christian, you're trying to like put on yeah. the outward standards that 
you would realize, you would come to know um, the grace of Jesus. As I was just saying, like God is loving Heavenly Father who's not just waiting to smite you if you step outside of a box um, for something you didn't know you did, but looking to God's word and believing it and trusting in the finished work of Christ is what's going to bring that freedom. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.